0: Ephesians chapter number 4, Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 14. Happy anniversary to you. We should have sang something this morning. I, thought, I didn't think of that. 40 years, Faith Bible Baptist Church. Officially today, 40 years. Incredible. Only God, only God. And the people that are willing and yielded to that to be used. You know, we have a special God that can do amazing things with ordinary people. As long as the ordinary people remain ordinary, and God remains special, he'll do amazing things. I'm excited for our future. I'm excited for, uh, I'm going to rejoice in it, seemingly growth lately in our church attendance. Now, let's use that now that God has brought people to us. Let's see if can God can use us to help them grow, grow spiritually. You give me a small amount of people, a small amount of group of Christians that are mature, I feel you can accomplish a lot more. Jesus started with 12 men, that he was patient and gracious and a teacher, he was a rabbi, he was a master to them. And he discipled them and taught them the things that we're talking about today for us as Christians. And uh, he forgave them when they failed. He reprimanded them, which is, I feel like for being Americans, we should take reprimand very well because we are people that think. And people that think... We have opinions, and we give it out readily. So it's confusing to me sometimes when a group of people is like that, which I love, because you're not guessing. Now, not everybody's that way. Some people are very, very quiet. You have to talk to my wife a lot before she'll express to you her true opinion on things. So I'm not making a blanket statement. Please don't make mistakes. But generally, I come from a place that is not like this place. And guess what? They're not any better than us, and we're not any better than them. And we'll find that out because we're going to talk about real relationships. It's ironic for me as a man, because I don't know the future. Only God does. I've been talking about this. It's been in my mind. It's been, it's been, it's been saturating me that this is something we need to guard. If we have a good relationship with people in the church, we need to guard it. We need to maintain it just like a husband and wife relationship. It needs to be maintained. Don't take it for granted. And in fact, I'm going ahead of our lesson here. There's three different groups of people that we need to act accordingly based on biblical principles and practicality. We have a way that God has taught us to treat each other in the body of Christ. And we'll find that out here in Relationship. Real relationships. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, want to, I don't want to miss anything that I started in, in so that there's no confusion. We are very, 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 very blessed. I think Pastor mention mentioned this in one of his la- latter preaching. We are a friendly church, no doubt in my mind. And I can say that as a missionary for 10 years and as I've traveled around the country, more than, more than we are in the upper tiers of friendship. When you walk into this door, people are going to talk to you. If they don't know you, they're going, to, they're going to make a friendly gesture to say hi. Some of you are first times. I'm glad you're here today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for, for giving us your time. And you'll find out that people will come to you later and introduce themselves in a very kind way, and they're going to shake your hands, and they're going to be very mild-mannered to you and welcome you and help you if they can. But I think Pastor gave us a thought that we need to be deeper. We need to be a caring church. All right? So uh, this real relationship helps in that. I was talking about it last week. Uh, You can iron out problems with people that you have invested upon more than somebody you haven't. Relationship is meant to grow to a place where iron, sharpen it, iron. You cannot sharpen an iron if they're not touching if there's no friction, there is no sharpening happening. And so as the iron gets closer to each other, there's a greater possibility of sharpening one another. The purpose of fellowship, a lot of times is mistaken, is not to bring comfort necessarily, although that will do that. Because at times, somebody will be discouraged and disappointed. Things happen. Life happens to us. Bad things. It's a cursed world. Somebody died in your family you don't know what to do now. Life has been altered. And you have a brother that will iron sharpen you at that time by comforting you. Some com- don't mistake, comfort is part of being a friend and being sharpened. But at times, you don't need comforted all the time. At times, you need to be reprimanded. You need to be corrected. We're doing Timothy. The pastor's been going through Timothy. And I believe it says in there that the Bible is good for five different things. Or maybe four, if I'm mistaken. this. I am recollecting in my mind, it's good for correction. It's good for instruction. All right? It's good for exhortation. And it's good for rebuke. Exhortation is to encourage you when you are needing encouragement. That's not the time to beat you down, but that's a time to bolster you up. Build you up in your faith. That would be if something happened, a tragedy happened, suddenly we come and say, I don't know how to help you, but I'm here. Here's a, here's a shoulder to lean on figuratively or maybe literally cry on me. That might be exhortation. And there's many verses in Scripture that we can preach about. And as a, as a pastor, I, I have to be balanced. And I would teach those things to exhort people because some people here are probably needing exhortation. They need to be encouraged. But there's also here, the Bible says, it's good for reproof and rebuke. Those are very, very stern words. Saying you have done wrong, I will preach to you about what you've done wrong. I will be stern. I might even be passionate about what I'm about to say to you. It doesn't mean I'm not loving you. It doesn't mean I'm, I hate, I'm, I'm, I'm against you. I am just making a very, very emphatic point at this point. That what you have done has consequence and there is reprimandation for it. Now, there's also instruction. Our pastor has been very good. Another of the the things that work, I've been paying attention. Have you been paying attention to messages? I'm, I'm excited for the rest of them. One of the things that work is teaching. And teaching is good for what? Instruction, to tell you how to do something. And he defined it a lot better than I did. Go look online you can get it back. Then, it's also good for correction. Correction sometimes is Repeated instruction. I do that with my children. I always use them because that's the relationship that's really close to me. And I'm very careful not to embarrass my, my family. But it's very, 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 very relatable to church relationship. God knew what he was doing when he set up a family. And God knew what he was doing when he set up the institution of the church. There's no confusion. All right? And I believe that's why a man of God would fare better if he was married because it helps him deal with other people. And if God provides him with children, I'm not saying if you don't have children, it's not something that I can tell you. I'm not God. God knows why you don't have children. All right. He will take care of that. That's not my place. And I don't place judgment on any of us. All right. I know in the Old Testament, I'm very careful to say this. That was a sign of a curse. All right. I have to be careful. I'm saying that. But at, but at the same time, uh, correction is very important. Uh, we're using a Becca, and no, pun or no promotion for a Becca. He's not giving me any money yet. But I'm using a Becca, and you can use whatever you want, but that's what we use. My wife is very comfortable with that. And we have gotten a lot of discounts being missionaries, so we use that. But a Becca is good at repeating itself, and it's good at introducing increments as it progresses. I'm doing math, and I'm relearning some of math because I'm the math teacher. My wife said, I will not touch it. If we choose to homeschool, you will teach. Oh, man, I was frustrated yesterday. Why can you not add? Why can you not subtract? And why is your multiplication is not memorized? Because that will help you then in division. Simple arithmetic, you know? It bases on something, and then it builds upon it. If you're going to keep going... Now, she's learning parameters, all right? And parameters involves you having yards and English measurement. And she said, why do we have, what is this, CM and M and KM and KLLL? What is all of this nonsense? We don't use that. I said, you're a Filipino. That's what they use over in the Philippines, which I struggled because I'm used to using feet. I'm getting sidetracked. The point is. They build upon each other, and so the relationship we have has to be the same way. You are not going to be, all of a sudden, best buddies or best friends with the person next to you without you taking time to invest in that relationship and you taking some of the heat from having that relationship, meaning there's going to be uncomfortable times. There's going to be confrontation, and there has to be resolution. Conflicts are not a problem. Conflicts are only a problem when they cannot be solved. I always teach people that anybody that's getting together and getting married, we, 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 I talk to them, make sure you iron out some conflict areas you already know. A lot of times I'm counseling people that are marrying different cultures. So I'm very passionate about this because I'm a different culture. My wife didn't realize who, my Filipino, and I can't decipher it. I'm mixed up, All right. I can't decipher it anymore. Sometimes I don't understand where my Filipino goes and my American. I don't know where it, where it is. It might be good to, to really sit down and analyze that, but I don't, I don't have no time for that. But when she went to the Philippines and she saw a bunch of Filipinos doing the same thing I was doing, she all of a sudden understands, oh, that's what you guys do. Yes, baby. and if you want to tell me how to do it, you're going to tell the rest of these 100, billion, 100 million people to do it too. If you get them to stop, I'll stop. What a supportive husband. But anyways, and uh, she realized, and I said this a lot, she's more of a missionary than I am, because she had to learn to relate with those people because she's living in their country. And so when I came here, most of us are Americans, so I have to reprogram 10 years of ministry, and I'm going to try to make it. Americanized for you. Why? Because that's the culture and parameters I'm working with. All right? Everybody still there? All right, let's pray. Lord, help us this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Ephesians 4, verses 14 to verse 16. I'm just going to read it to you. I hope you're there by this point. Ephesians chapter number 4, 14 to verse number 16. That we henceforth be no more children... Toss to and fro, mind the word children there. Children are are in scriptures have valuable strength. And one of them is faith. They have more faith sometimes than mature adult individuals. So don't knock this when I'm saying this. But when he's talking about children here, it's not in a positive light, it's in a very negative light. And what it is, is maturity. He's talking about maturity. Have you had children? Have you raised children? You see them grow in maturity. At times, parents have a mistake when their children become adults. We still think they're immature children, right? Be careful with that because you're going to hinder some of your relationship with adult children. It's very different than people living in your home in the sense of that they're still children. When you become an adult, you have to do it different. All right. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> let's continue here. Tossed to and fro and cared about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There's a lot of deception because we have an enemy, the deceiver, a liar. John eight forty four. When he speaks, he lies. So he's going to work that out so that so he can destroy. That's his purpose. Verse 15. But speaking the truth. In love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Our job is that, as an illustration, God says, He's the head of the body, and we are the body. And as the head of the body is in charge of dictating decisions, my brain, subconsciously or consciously, is doing things at this very moment with my body. Subconsciously, it's pumping my heart. I don't have to say beat, beat, please, beat, or oh, beat again, please, or yeah, beat, keep beating, just keep doing it. All right, I don't have to do that. My breathing is very, uh, and I don't, I, I'm not scientific to give you every, to separate the two, but sometimes I feel like it's subconscious. My hands is moving when I'm talking, but you notice that, right? I don't think about it anymore. It just moves. It just does what it does. Okay, but uh, other things, I'm conscious. I was conscious this morning. I had to get out of bed. That was a conscious move this morning, which I said, man, what a trickster. Who tricked us again this morning? Anyways, uh, look at what it says. Verse number 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase, of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We need everybody to grow together and individually properly. That's why we're stronger as a unit if every unit supplies what they alone can supply to the body. Their responsibility, their duties, and their passion and love. That's why, as a member of this church, and been here a long time, find. Am I on? I mean, oh, it's find. find a way to serve. Now, we have an authority. We have to go through the authority, right? We just don't do whatever we want in the body, correct? Right. We have a proper chain of authority. If you have an idea, you go to the proper authority to check it out with that person. Before you say, I'm just going to do this. No matter what people think around me, that is not promoting unity. And in fact, you might be harming ourselves, us meaning. You might be harming us by your great idea. And no offense, it might be a great idea. It just needs you to understand everybody else being affected by that great idea you're about to do. Okay? Be mindful. Because we do not exist just ourselves. We have people around us. We're members pastor is very good about this. When he comes to me and promotes something, he runs it by me and says, hey, because he knows it's going to affect me in some way. Correct? I do that with my wife. If some of you are planning on visiting my home, it would be nice if my wife knew about that so that she could be prepared. Not that she's doing anything wrong, but at times, ladies want their house to look pristine at that moment in time. And not just that, their persona has to be pristine, right? Communication. So look at the thought here. Because the local church is made out of people introduction, we must learn how to function properly in a relationship with one another. It has to be a learned and it has to be taught. And the Bible does not keep itself quiet about this situation. Relationship with real people can be difficult. All of us can admit that, even the ones that we truly love. All right? How do we maintain love, unity, fellowship in the church body through our relationship with another? That's a good question. How should we do that? All right? The Bible is going to give us some thoughts. A topic of this magnitude is addressed often, often. Mind you, often in scripture. This is not passed over in two or three, four passages. It is embedded in scripture. A lot of times in the churches. That's why you notice when I talked about unity in one of my lessons in Sunday school. You notice I was in places where they're talking to the church. Ephesians chapter number four. First Corinthians chapter number 12. And Romans chapter number 12. Those chapters de- deal with church brethren and their functionality together. Okay. And so. God is interested in us getting along so that he can use us in a corporate and individual way so that then he gets the glory. Correct? Everybody had a part in us attaining some growth in Sunday school. Every one of you had a part. Whether you prayed, you invited somebody, you saw somebody's going to Sunday school, maybe I'll join. You had a part, and I'm very thankful. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Let's have the spirit of unity and complementing one another rather than competing. We're not playing bumper carts, okay? We're playing open the door. We're playing you can have my seat. We're playing you can have first in line. You can say, do you need some help? I have extra. I'll help you. That's what we're playing, all right? Not bumper carts. Not I'll crash into you if you don't get out of my way, all right? That's not what we're playing at this church, all right, let's not. That's not what God wants us to do. Ephesians chapter number four gives us three characteristics that we can see in the relationship of growing Christian. This is so in-depth. It'll take us all of our Christian life to deal with this. I'm sure pastor in 40 years have preached many times if you catalog based on relationship with one another. So many times, all right? And guess what? I'm just going to repeat some of them. Is that okay with you? Because there's nothing new. He's preached everything that I know to preach. <laughs> I'm glad we have a great foundation of teaching in the church. Guess what? I'm going to do a lot of preaching because I need good teaching to preach. I need good foundational teaching so that I can preach properly. A lot of times in our country, because of good foundational teaching, we assume we don't teach anymore. We just go ahead and land blast everybody because we assume they know the story. There's a lot of new people in this church don't even know about David and Bathsheba. According to the scripture, they know the movie or they know something. But they don't know what the Bible says about it. And there's some people I'm talking to. You guys know about people in the Bible I've never even heard of. And I read the Bible many times, but I haven't, I haven't really sat down. The Lord has not impressed on my. What's about Ichabob? I'm like, it's a funny name. That's all I know. Maybe God will impress upon me to really study that man out. Okay. We always need teaching so that we can have preaching. Instruction, I'm going to relate a family thing again. If you are going to raise children, you must be a good teacher. Let me repeat it again. If you're going to raise children, you're a father, you're a mother, you have better take time to know your Bible, you have better take time to teach them the truth of the scripture. Because you have no room for correction. Or get mad and discipline them if they don't know what they've done wrong. You have to instruct. You have to set them down. Why do we do the Bible verses? You know why I want you to memorize Bible? Because the Bible tells us if it's in our heart, it prevents us from doing sinful things. If it's hidden in our heart, it will keep us from evil according to the book of Psalms. Son, I want you to memorize verse. I don't like it. I understand. It's against your flesh. Much study is weirdness to the flesh. But we're not about feeding the flesh, right, son? We're feeding the Spirit of God. You're saved, right? We need to hide the Word of God in our heart. Now give him assignment, memorize this verse. If he doesn't memorize it, and he knows full well, he understands what he ought to do, then I have the right. I have the right to be passionate and then preach on him when he doesn't do what I tell him to do. Do you understand the beauty of teaching and preaching? They complement. One is not better than the other. They're complementary. All right? Just like a husband and wife. It's comp- I'm so glad I married somebody not like me. Totally opposite. Because it has sharpened her in areas that she feels like she needs to be sharpened. And she's already wonderful. I don't have to do nothing. You know, I'm blessed. Trying to do what pastor preach. Praise the wife. So I will do it. It's a good thing to do. I'm already getting some dividends by doing it. Just in a short amount of time. Not that I haven't done it before. Come on, guys. I've done it before, but it was a good reminder, right? Let's do right. By our wives, right? I couldn't do what I'm doing without her. She brought everybody here. I was late. She said, I don't care if you're late. I'm going to be in prayer meeting. She came here. You notice, that, I don't have to lie, you saw that. And I'm here bumbling around like, mm, feel like I know what I'm doing, I don't. And I just, by the grace of God, I did, I planned, okay? I did plan, right? I have to do like all this, because some people think, oh, he really doesn't know what he's doing. You know, no. Please, be nice, right? Three things. There is developing maturity, verse number 14. No more children tossed to and fro. I was talking about that. So that's a characteristic you see. There is developing maturity. That's very important. You should keep growing, growing. Your body tells you it's growing. Now the sin, cursed world, also tell you you grow to your prime and then you decline growth and you degenerate, which is, that's not the picture I'm talking about. But the picture also is used here that a man that is founded or a woman that has founded her life in Scripture, when they become of gray hair, the Bible says not just because you have gray hair, it doesn't mean that you're full of wisdom, but those that are with the Scripture and they grow up in Scripture and when they come to a point where Pastor Cole's hair, Brother Mike's hair, and some of you, but want to, I don't want to single anybody out. I just did, but I don't want to do that, but I did. Forgive me. But at any rate, if they're founded in Scripture, you notice that wisdom oozes out of them. You see in the way they live. It just oozes out of them. The way they talk, it just oozes out of them. For those that don't have hair, all right, we include you. Because there's hair. Nah, nah, I'm going to go in crazy. It's other hair that grows when the things that beer don't grow. And they're probably white, too. But anyways, I'm asking is the fact that we should be maturing. We should know more and understand more and have more wisdom today than we were a year ago. Incrementally. And time. When time, time. I hope when I get to be 60 years old, I know more than I know now. And I won't make comments I just made earlier. Number three. Number two. There is a devotional growth. You find that in verse number 15. As we grow in our love for God, we also will grow in our love for one another. We become devoted to the people that we want to love and are loving. We find ourselves protecting them. We find ourselves defending them. We find ourselves having a part of us with them. All right, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. If you say anything to my wife about myself, I guarantee you she's going to defend me. If you get her to the point where she has to say something. A lot of times she just say, go talk to him. If you have a problem and you, you go to my wife, she'll just tell you, come to him. That's what she'll do. That's what we have trained to do. That's our fire insurance and training in our family. Go to him. Unless it was something that you had with her, then she will deal with it personally. But, but, but what I'm saying is, uh, this is not in your notes, by the way, so don't be filling out your notes. I saw some of you filling out your, what does he say number two was? No, this is just under uh, <laughs> introduction. There is also number three, demonstrated love. Demonstrated love. You, you find that in verse number 16, and that is that everybody is supplying something to the family. We are giving something of ourselves to this place. That's what I'm saying. If you're not doing anything, At least pray. And when I say at least, that's the best thing you probably could do than anything else. Pray is the greatest thing you can help us with. Not everybody will have a position of that you want in the church. Some people, I feel like I can teach. Well, there's enough teachers right now. Now, that's not always the case. There's other areas that are lacking, but some people are very particular and they want to do a certain thing. I understand that. But there's other things that that could help, like I think Pastor mentioned it several times. Other people talked to me about it. The care ministry could be reborn. Not that it's dead, but it could be revived. And all that is is being friendly. Just go walk around and talk to people. You see what Pastor does. You see what I'm doing. You see other people doing it. Not that we're any better than you. Oh, it is so uncomfortable. I understand. But you can help. Greet somebody in the church. Sit with somebody that uh, maybe is new. But as vital as spiritual relationships are in the church, they're not always easy. Not every church member is always walking in the Spirit. And if you're very honest and self-reflecting, there's some days you're walking in the flesh. You have a bad day. When somebody has a bad day, that's not the time. Listen to me, listen to me, and listen to me well. When, is the, when they're having a bad day and the Holy Spirit is, <laughs> is giving you wisdom, that they're having a bad day, that ain't the time to discuss very serious grievances and matters with them. God has a timing in Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. He brings everything to timing. Husband, when your wife is frustrated and you come home and you have something very important that you think you feel like she needs to know at this very moment, you might cautiously pray and say, might not be the time, let's set a time. Wives, your husband may be coming home and saying, uh, it's just been a bad day. Sense it, but the Holy Ghost helping you. This is not the time to talk something very, very, unless it's an emergency. Your, your kid just lost his arm. I thought you wanted to know that. Okay, now come on. But when it can wait, when it can wait, when it can wait. Pastor, I'm just repeating him a lot. When he said this, God is not having a hurry that you are in. And I learned that as a missionary. I thought, I need to be there in the Philippines. This person needs to get saved right now. That was, my, that was me. Like, yeah, everybody just needs to get saved right now. You need to get saved. I'm going to talk to you about it. Okay, you need to get saved. The Bible says so. You need to get saved. Why are you not getting saved? That was me. And God had a way of slowing it way down. Slowing it way down. To the point that I was patient for my kids to get saved at the time that they got saved. You know how many pressure I had? There was Christians pressuring me. Why is your kids not saved yet? When is he going to get baptized? So-and-so's kids got baptized and got saved. How about yours? I'm like, well, I ain't God. So I'm waiting. I'm praying. I'm telling about Jesus. We got devotions. We got church. They're in Sunday school. We're in extension class back at Bible school. They're hearing all the truth. They're in the right place. They got the Bible present in their life. And sure enough, as they're getting saved, I'm glad that, that happens. And I don't know. You know, as time progresses, I just want to make sure they're saved, not professing something because I made them profess. Right? Sometimes fellow church members act as if they didn't even know the Lord at all. Any witness? Any raise of hand? No. Put it down. Don't do it. Sometimes Christians, we don't act like Christians. And so if you do that, others around you that you love, in the church, will at times act like they're not even saved. So you need to be ready. And so number one, here we go. On your notes, willful offenders. Willful. W-I-L-L-F-U-L. Offenders. As you're writing that down, I'm going to give you some more thoughts here. Authentic Christian relationship has to be that we desire, as God desires, that we grow in our relationship with him and with our fellow believers. That is it. That's the basis of relationship that God made. God saved you because he wants you to grow with him together. And all of his basis of relationship, friendship, is the idea to cr- close together. It's all the same. Very, sim- very simple stuff. So as in the church, as a body, and as a family, we're brothers and sisters. We're brethren. We're the beloved. Bible words, Okay? We, uh, I'm not trying to be a thesaurus, but that's what the Bible does. Anyways, uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, I thought of something. Anyways, I'm going to go. Uh, <laughs> I'm distracted. Uh, I'm going to put this together here. As a body of believer, as we get closer to the Lord, pastor made another point about marriage, and I'm going to use it as a triangle. If you, on purpose, intentionally, I love the words he's using, intentionally try to grow together with God, You end up getting closer together. It's not just good for husband and wife. It's good for children and parents. It's good for sister and sister, brothers and brothers, in-laws and out-laws. I don't know how how that works, but the in-laws. I'm glad I have a good relationship with my in-laws. I really am. It's it's crazy. I get to leave my kids with them, and it's okay. Right? My wife's got a good relationship with her in-laws. Right? All right. Every godly spiritual Christian occasionally offend each other. That will happen even even if you don't try because sometimes, I said again, we have a sinful nature, and sometimes we don't even intentionally do it. I believe sometimes it's a byproduct of us uh, not knowing every situation. There's no possible way that I can know every situation. Even when you come to the church, there's no possible way for me to know all the new visitors and how to be careful what I'm saying. I have to be general so that it helps alleviate some of the offenses that I might say. Right? If I get very specific, I get more offenses. Because then when I get specific with you, the only one that will respond to that is those that like that very specific personality of mine. That's why the pastor is a very difficult role, because I'm learning I have to be all things to all men. I have to like what you like, even if I really don't. Now, that was a bad attitude. But, uh, but I have to sincerely learn to love the things you love so that I can help you. It goes the same to my children. It's so parallel. It's so crazy how close it is. My children have different interests, and I have to learn. If I have any connection with each an individual, I have to learn their likes and dislikes. And they're very opposite at one another. So pray for that, okay? Uh, Matthew, Uh, Jesus dealt with this very issue in Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18, they had the perfect leader. So sometimes we say everything rises and falls in leadership. Not necessarily true. It's a good thought for leaders, not for the followers. Because what you do when you say that is, well, it's all his fault. True for me. If I was the leader, yes, it's all my fault. But your fellowship also helps my leadership. Because Jesus teaches the leaders to be gentlemen. We approach you gently. Thy gentleness has made me great, David says. To lead leaders and to lead people generally, we do it as a preacher gently. You see the qualification, right? We need to be hospitable. We need not to be a brawler. You see, all the, it all makes sense that as a preacher, I'm very gentle. I nourish and cherish. Not trying to be infeminate, but those are things that I, have, I must possess as a preacher, and I have to gently help you, okay? Gently help you because I know it'll take all of those gentleness to help you realize, I love you and I'm not against you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm for you guys. I'm not against you. I'm going to have to teach this subject because I'm for you. I'm not against you. All right? And it goes on. In Matthew 18, the closest people to Christ, that was his audience. So you have to realize how close this this topic is. It's not like general people that Jesus didn't know. These are people that he lived with day in, day out. See how the closeness and this topic came about because of that closeness. If we want to be unified, we're going to get close. And if we get close, we need to learn how to work with one another. We have to. The Bible is not silent. And in fact, it's very, very, very repeated. These thoughts are very repeated for us. Because a mature, effective, unified church will do just amazing things. God's doing the work. God is doing the work. So it says, the heart of the issue sometimes why we don't get along with one another has been preached in this pulpit so many times, and it's so true. And it's in Matthew 18, verse number 1. And I'm going to close with this, and I'm going to go continue next week. Look at what it says. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven there's the reason for contention there's the reason for division class what would that be give me an idea is exactly the problem why we don't get along it's not that we're bad it is that we're bad but but is this we have to learn to live with one another in humility. Humility has to be a ingredient for that to work. The disciples were so focused on lifting themselves up and advancing their personal aspirations that they were sure to run each other in the process. We should not uh, be in the, in, the, in the relationship of competing, but rather in the complementing. Let's find ways To work together so as that the strength of one person can be even more and even be enhanced. And some of the weakness of some might be helped by the strength of others. That's what we want to do. Instead of saying, well, you and I run the same program at the same time with the same people. Let's see who gets out of here. You teach them that. I teach them this. Let's go. Go. And you do it, do it, do it. And there's a lot of problems because we're competing. There only has to be one pastor in the church. There's no way you can have two different leaders pushing us in two different visions and directions. It's not going to work. You want two husbands, ladies? It's bad enough that people have multiple wives. Imagine, we never talk about this, having two husbands, ladies. What would you like about that? Let's pray. Lord, help us, guide us, help us to learn these truths in Jesus' name. Amen.